You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Jesus is the God who became man. Know more about this truth in our series, BC. Listen to this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are starting a new series entitled BC. Everybody say BC. Why BC? Because we're so busy, you know, buying the gifts during Christmas. No, actually, this, uh, this particular title uh, is about before Christ. Okay, so uh, we're going to be looking at the, some prophecies uh, pertaining to uh, Jesus, and we're going to be looking at the prophecies before he was born uh, in the Old Testament, and so that will help us have an understanding of how we can properly celebrate uh, this uh, season, and it will give us a better understanding of why we have what we call Christmas. Okay, for our uh, serious objective for the next three weeks, our people will be grateful, and how many of you are grateful to the Lord for what He has given us so far, okay? He's been a gracious God for the magnitude of God's love as seen through the greatness of His sacrifice. And so, for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the prophetic words that were given about God becoming man. That's today. Next week, we're going to be looking at the shepherd uh, that became a sheep, and then the last will be the king who became a servant. And so uh, it's going to be like a three-week um, series for us. You know, as I was preparing for this uh, message, I decided to just take a look at Google and type in Christmas. I was interested to find out what's going to come out in the images. And interestingly, these are some of the pictures that came out as I typed the word Christmas on Google, you can see Christmas trees, you can see Frosty the Snowman, you can see stockings, Santa Claus, you can see the elves, you can see decorations, bells, gifts, uh, there's even turkey, there's uh, food, but nowhere will you find the most important person, the reason why we celebrate this event, which is, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, uh, we can all get muddled up with the different things that we do on this holiday. And sometimes people get confused already why they celebrate such an event. People get busy driving around the city, going for the, you know, next best bargain, going to the bazaar. You know, there's St. James uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's Noel Bazaar right now. And I don't know which bazaar is going to be there next week. But uh, as long as there's bazaar, uh, you're going to, and as long as you have your bonuses, it's still going to continue. But I hope that we get to go back and understand and celebrate the real essence of Christmas. In fact, how many of you are parents and you have children? Of course, your parents. You know, it's our responsibility that we pass on the values to our kids. You know, I'm going to show you a short video clip on uh, some kids and they were asked some things about Christmas. Okay, let's watch this clip. Because all, so all the girls and boys get presents? Um, because we get to open presents. 
Something to do about Christ. I should know this. Because Jesus' birthday is in Christmas? No, I don't have any idea. In a barn. In a farm? I don't know. Can't remember it. Mary and God. I don't know how this Jesus stuff. No. God and Mary. Oh, I can't think I put I can't put my mind on it. I know the guy, but I forget the name. I think it was God, but I'm not sure. God? I know this. Um, some toys? A flute? Candy? Um, candy? To take the nails out of his hands? Up heaven? He's in heaven. Uh, Canada? Up in heaven. In everybody's heart. Jesus? He's dead, isn't he? That's really easy. <laughs> well... He came here? So people could have better lives? No. I seriously don't know. All right, you want more? <laughs> you know, we find that cute, but somehow it's a bit alarming and disheartening because, you know, when you ask the kids about this most, one of the most important holidays and events in Christianity, they even don't know the basics of that. They probably would have more answers when you, talk, you ask about Santa Claus or, I don't know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but not about Jesus. And so I believe that even us as adults, we need to find out and really, you know, focus in on what is the significance of why we're celebrating this uh, particular event. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. As I said, we're going to be looking at some of the prophetic words given about Christ. And uh, we are also going to look at the fulfillment in the New Testament. So we're going to be reading from Isaiah 7, and then we're going to jump to uh, Matthew chapter 1. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's jump to uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his, his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as, as the angel commanded him, he took his wife, in verse 25 it says, but knew her not. In another translation, the NIV, and they did not consummate or had any physical relation until she had given birth to a son, and she had called his name Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we 
are thankful tonight for this opportunity to know about you and your word. We ask, Lord God, that you would give us a divine wisdom and revelation to know the purpose of why Jesus really came here on earth. We ask, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Just make sure that you are smiling at the person beside you, smiling and not talking. Yeah. Let me just set this up. You know, there are um, numerous prophetic words given about Jesus, about 350, I think, four prophecies in the Old Testament. And Jesus, uh, as the Messiah, fulfilled each and every one of them. Um, You know, the setting of this particular verse that we've read in Isaiah chapter 7 was the time when King Ahaz, or in Tagalog, King Ahaz, okay, uh, I think it's the way they pronounce it in the Jewish language. You, you phonetically pronounce it. So I think the right pronunciation is King Ahaz. Okay? And um, King Ahaz was one of the uh, kings of the, the, the kingdom of Judah. Now, if you're familiar with the story of uh, you know, Israel, when King Solomon died, his son Rehoboam basically took over uh, the southern kingdom and because Rehoboam did not listen to the advice of the elders, the kingdom was split into two. Ten tribes went to Jeroboam, two tribes went to Rehoboam. And that was the start of the divided kingdom in the nation of Israel. We would see that all the northern kings on the uh, northern tribe basically were all evil kings. And in the tribe or the kingdom of uh, Judah, we would see that sometimes there are good kings and sometimes there would be bad kings. But King Ahaz or King Ahaz was one of those bad kings. And this was the uh, time when the king of Israel made a pact or an agreement with the king of Aram in order for the two countries to attack the southern kingdom, which is the kingdom of Judah. So King Ahaz or King Ahaz was desperate at this time and he was asking the Lord for deliverance and help. And this is where we see the prophet Isaiah came to him and basically gave this prophetic word. As he was asking for deliverance, can you imagine the prophetic word? A virgin will give birth to a son. And his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Can you imagine? The fulfillment of this prophecy will be 700 years from the time that he was praying. How many of you are wanting to pray for a, uh, for a request? And it will be answered 700 years from now. Uh, anybody here? And it's exactly what happened. The prophetic word came and the fulfillment happened 700 plus years later when Jesus Christ was born. But, you know, the story goes that they did not attack uh, the Judah, and uh, you know, it was basically a demonstration of God's commitment to keep the nation of Judah intact. That 700 years later, the nation of Israel is still there, and He is not just providing a deliverer or a savior for the nation of Israel, but a savior for the world. So that is, in essence, the beauty of this prophetic word. Not only did the king of, uh, not only did the nation of Israel benefit from this prophetic word, but how many of you know that we are recipients as well of the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, and so that's why we. It is important for us to 
to know that though the nation of Israel was a chosen nation, the gospel was open to us because we were Gentiles. Now, at that, at that particular time when Jesus was born, uh, the, uh, the Greeks were basically the ones who are ruling the world. And, you know, they have a common language. They're using, most of the nations were using Greek as their common language. In fact, the first translation of the New Testament was written in the Greek language. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but the New Testament was written in the Greek language. One of the things that the Greek um, uh, sages or the wise men did was to talk about Greek mythology. And this is actually, these are some of the fables that they believe that uh, they have Greek gods, and these Greek gods actually sometimes interface with humans, thus producing demigods. Demigods are actually a combination of God and human, and they possess different kinds of qualities. Okay, this is very important because this has reference to when Jesus came, who is eternally God, and he became human like us. So one of those characters that they were uh, believing in or espousing in is this guy named Hercules. How many of you are familiar with this character? Hercules or Heracles, okay? And he is said to be one of the strongest uh, military men that they know at that time because he was part God, part human, okay? Though they are still mortal, they're not really immortal, they're still mortal. That's why they no longer exist according to the legend. Another guy that they uh, know is Achilles. Achilles is described to be the most handsome among the demigods. And his only weakness is his heel, okay? And that's why there is such a term as Achilles heel because when an arrow shot the Achilles heel, that was actually his weak spot, okay? According to the story. Another guy is Perseus, okay? Another demigod. Of course, Hollywood came in and tried to modernize this so-called demigod thing and produced characters like Annabeth, okay, the daughter of, uh, who's this? Athena. There is, of course, Hercules, the son of Zeus, and another guy named Percy Jackson, uh, the son of Poseidon. Now, I don't know where Thor and Loki will come in here, okay? Because they said that they're both demigods, but they're not part of Greek mythology. But it is important for us to find out because during about this era that these stories are being circulated, this was about the same time that Jesus came into the world. Basically, I believe it was a setup. People are already looking at this thing and they were open to having, you know, somehow God interfacing with humans, but yet it was all myth. It was make-believe. These are not reality. But yet Jesus came, and how many of you know that Jesus is the real deal? Okay? So we will find in Matthew, this is the parallel scripture that we read earlier, that there are, other, actually there's, there's a word or a name that is common to both. And that is the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is very significant because Jesus not only became man, but he walked with us for, you know, during the time that he was here on earth. So I want to share three things or three, uh, three uh, truths, significant truths of the birth of Jesus Christ. How, how many of you are ready for this word? Okay, so the first truth 
is that God became man. It's an amazing truth because gods are supposed to be gods living there. In fact, God is the creator and man is what? A created being. I mean, for, if you're going to think about it, why will a creator desire to become a created being? It doesn't make sense. But yet, in, in, in their commitment to be able to relate to us and us to be able to relate to them, to him, you know, they, he, they, he created, he actually became and took on the human flesh and became, you know, a human being just like you and me. Now, how many of you are human beings here tonight? You brought your body with you to church, okay? You're not here and you're just a spirit, okay? Now, God is spirit. We know that, okay? When he was creating uh, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Okay, there was no, you know, there's no starting point for God. When everything was being created, God was already existing. God was there already. And guess what? Jesus was already there. The Son of God was already there. Jesus did not just start when he was born here on earth. Are we getting it tonight? So he was there. He is eternal God. He is the second Godhead. He is the second person in the Trinity. And that's why it is so important for us to always take note of that. Okay? Uh, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold. Everybody say, Behold. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That is so important. You know, this particular word called incarnation is not really something that you can find in the Bible, but it's a description of what happened to Jesus. Incarnation is actually coming from the Greek word encarne, which means to become flesh. How many of you are familiar with carne? How many of you will eat carne? Carne norte or whatever, right? We're going to eat, you know, it's flesh, it's meat. And Jesus, who is God, took on the human form, not just as an apparent body, but as a real human body. So he was not just, you know, parang human. He became a human just like us. Another thing that we need to take note, aside from the truth of incarnation, is the truth of the virgin birth. Yes, Mary was a virgin when she conceived Jesus in her womb. Now, how many of you are single ladies here tonight? Please wave your hand like that, okay? Single ladies, okay? How many of you are single ladies? Okay, imagine with me for a moment. What if the Holy Spirit spoke to you tonight and says, you are going to be pregnant with no husband, and you find out that the next day you are indeed pregnant, what will you do? <laughs> panic. Panic daw. Panic, okay? What will you tell your parents? Dad, I'm pregnant. I don't know how, but it's just there. <laughs> you know, it's, it is one thing, you know, to have a baby, but it's another thing to have a baby without any partner. And this is one amazing miracle. God used this method in order for him to be able to come here on earth. You know, God, how many of you know that God can do anything? God could actually just make himself a body in heaven and land here on earth 
as a full, you know, man already. One who is 30 years old, one who's about to start his ministry, and then he would have walked the Sea of Galilee and called the first disciples, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He could have done that. But he chose the route of a virgin birth. Why did he have to do that? It is important because it establishes the deity of Jesus. Because he was not just fully human, he is also 100% God. Are we getting it? Jesus was chosen to be born through the womb of Mary. And, you know, it was God who actually overshadowed Mary. There was no other human involved, human being involved here. Mary was chosen as the one who would actually, you know, give birth to the child. But if, if God chose Joseph to be the father of Jesus, then Jesus would be the same like us. We would, he would have shared the same Adamic nature. He would have had the same nature, uh, you know, the sinful nature that Adam had in the garden. But it was God who is the father of Jesus. And Mary is the, the mother of Jesus, the son of man. And that in itself brought about this, what we call this divine miracle. That Jesus is still the 100% God that he is. And he became a human being just like us. He's not 50-50. He's not part human, part machine, part God, part spirit. He was 100% man, 100% God. You call that hypo, hypostatic union. You know, it's one of those mysteries that you, it, it, you cannot explain. You know, if you're a mathematician, it doesn't make sense. How can one person be 100% of one thing and another 100% of another? That is Jesus himself. That is Jesus in the flesh. Is that clear? It's also, uh, I also want to note that uh, when Mary and Joseph, I think we've read this earlier, in Matthew one twenty five, it says there that Mary and Joseph had no physical union until the birth of Christ. So uh, Jesus is the eldest in the family, but he is not the only son. So both Mary and Joseph had other children as well after Jesus was born. Okay? Check your Bible there. Okay? One of his uh, known brothers is uh, St. Jude, the one who wrote the, the book of Jude. He's the half-brother of Jesus because Jude's mother is Mary and his father is Joseph. Okay? So just a little bit of information for all of us. John chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here we can see a parallelism of John chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God was creating, and it was declared here that in the beginning was the Word. It talks about the preeminence and the preexistence of Christ, even before the actual birth here on earth. Who is the Word? That's the Son of God. Jesus himself, okay, he the son of God. And, the, and uh, it says in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So this is where we get the 
the, the truth of the incarnation when, when the word became flesh and lived among his people. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time, there was a fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law. Of all the eras that God would choose, why did he choose that? He could have chosen Jesus to be born today. There's the internet. There's, uh, you know, you can actually travel by land, by ship, or by, by air. During that time, there's no telephone. There's no internet. There's no transportation. The only mode of transportation for them was a donkey express. Okay, that's about it. You know, they... they you know, it was more of like a slow pace. If, if, if God would have wanted the gospel to spread quickly, he would probably have chosen this time. But I believe that in the fullness of time, God chose that particular era to let Jesus be born at that time because of the, uh, because of the preparation of the Greek language that made the way for the, the gospel to spread even, as, uh, even uh, faster because of one common language. At that time, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. How many of you are tempted from time to time? Please raise your hand. Tempted? Nikinate tempt? Talaga? Okay. Patay lang daw hindi tempted, no? Anyway, tempted, Jesus was tempted, okay? Yet was without sin. He was tempted. We've seen, we've heard, we've read the story in, uh, in Matthew 4. You know, when he was in the wilderness, he was tempted. And yet he chose to obey God and honor him and not sin. The second point I want to share, second truth, is about relationship. Everybody say relationship. This talks about the name Emmanuel, God, with us. And, you know, we've read that earlier. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, God has a lot of different names. And every name that he has really is, in a way, his way of revealing himself to us. When you talk about Emmanuel, that's a special name that talks about God's commitment to be with us forever. You know, I have uh, four children and I somehow we've named our children with, you know, couple of names. Okay? My eldest daughter is Beatrice Regina, and that means joy bringer queenly. Okay? And so on and so, so on and so forth. My, my, uh, my second born is Ariel Jerome. Named him after me. Okay? Ariel means lion of God. Jerome means holy man. He's so holy, God took him away. Okay? God took him to heaven. Okay? Anyway, so I mean, there's a purpose why we give names to our children. And, you know, the reason why Jesus came, aside from his name Jesus, which is to save man from, man from their sins, it's Emmanuel. It means God with us. There was a popular belief during the 17th century, and this popular belief was known as deism. Deism is actually a belief in the existence of the supreme being or God, specifically of a creator who does not intervene in the universe. In other words, after this creator would create things, he would just let them be and leave them alone. But we are not like that. Christianity is not like that because Christianity is theism. Everybody say theism. Theism is the belief in the existence of God 
who intervenes in the universe. And how many of you are grateful that God is one who wants to be involved in the affairs of human beings? He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to communicate with us. Early on in the Old Testament, every time God would reveal himself to, um, to man, you would have what you call theophany. Theophany is actually the visible manifestation of God in different forms. When Moses was in the wilderness, there was an appearance of God in the burning bush. Remember that story? You know, when, God, uh, when, when Moses saw the burning bush, he wanted to look closer to the burning bush, and then he heard a voice from the burning bush, and he said, Moses, take off your Havayanas, because the place that you are standing on is holy ground. So he took off his sandals, and he worshipped there. That is a theophany. That is actually the presence of God, but it's actually a visible manifestation of his presence. Are you getting it? But in the, old, in the New Testament, when Jesus Christ came, he did not need any theophany. He is the real deal. He is the one who was born here on earth, walked on earth, ate with them, slept with them, walked with them, talked with them, related with them, because he simply wanted to be with his people. And that is the difference between deism and theism. Our God wants to have a solid, vibrant, living relationship with us. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, spend time with God. That, that's why it's so important for us to pause and take, you know, take the first you know, chunk of our time every day to commune with God. You know, we don't need any priest any longer. To be able to commune with God. Do you know that you can actually go and talk to God straight? That's the amazing benefit of us being Christians and believers. When Jesus Christ died, the, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And that signifies the fact that now the access to the Father is open to any believer. And how many of you are believers? Not believers, but believers. Okay? And you believe in Jesus. If you're a believer, guess what? The access to the Father is open. You talk to Him straight. That's why we pray to Him. We worship Him. We honor Him. When you read the Word, He speaks to you. The Word of God is living and active. It's alive. It speaks to us. It's not just something, a guide. It's not just a guidebook. It's not just a history book. It's a book that changes our very being. That is the Bible. That's the word of God. And God gave that word for us to know him. Better now that Jesus is no longer walking here on earth, where is Jesus? In Canada? No, he's not in Canada, okay? He's in heaven. He's also living in our hearts, right? So Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. If God is with us, then we don't have to be afraid. Amen? I mean, can you imagine who God is? God is... The omnipotent God. He is God Almighty. El Shaddai. I mean, He can do anything. He can protect us from anything. If God is for us, who can be against us? He promised that He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's why there's nothing to be afraid of if God is with you. Amen? You know, one of the things that we're praying for, for our youngest daughter, her name is Andrea, uh, because uh, she's got some fears in her heart. And so we're praying for her ministering to her and like for example last night we were going to a party and 
Um, she always liked for us to be with her. Basically, that's, that's, the, that's who Andrea is. And it's actually covered in fear. If somebody, if one of us would leave her, she's so uneasy and insecure. And so when we were about to go to the party, she would already ask us, what time are you coming home? I asked her, I told her, hindi pa kami umaalis, pinauwi muna kami. So anyway, so that's, that's who she is. And I remember about uh, a year ago when we were in a conference, me and Shirley were in a conference in uh, Indonesia. Uh, it took us like several weeks to prepare the heart of Andrea for that particular travel. That mom and dad are going to travel at this particular time. Don't worry, Atibe will be with you. Anna will be with you. Atibe will drive you to school. Dayas will be here to stay with you. And so, some, so, you know, from time to time, Lolo will be here. People will be visiting you. So, is that okay? Yes, yes, yes. So, she would just say yes. So, the time came when we left. We were already there. We would Skype her. First day, she was struggling. You know, she would look at us on the, on the monitor and she would say, I miss you. I miss you. I wish you were here. So it was fine. So we were encouraging you, don't worry. We're going to be here until the time that you are sleepy and then we'll hang up. Okay. The next day, it was different already. I mean, she was just really getting berserk. She was panicking and she's saying, crying out, I like for you to be here. You know, you got to come home right now. I said, but we're here. We're kind of near you through the monitor. And we're, we're trying to psych her up and we're saying, don't worry, we're going to pray for you right now. And then we're going to read the Bible and we're going to stay here. We're not going to hang up. We're going to stay here until you sleep and we're going to sleep, okay? So we lie down. Okay, here, oh, see? Okay, mommy and daddy are lying down. You're seeing us, right? And we see you there on the other side. You're lying down, right? No, you're not here. You're there. <laughs> You gotta come here. And so she was continuing to cry. So what I did was I, had, I, was, I was forced to book a ticket for Shirley so that she could come home immediately. And that's the only time that she got pacified. When she actually held mommy by the hand and embraced her because mommy is like Emmanuel for her. Mom with us. Like a physical thing. And we may not have Jesus physically with us. But can you imagine the first chapter he was promising, his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. In the very last chapter of Matthew, when he gave his great commission to the disciples, when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, the, the verse after that, it says, surely I will be with you always. To the very end of the age. How many of you know that when God gives a promise, He will always fulfill that promise to the very end? Amen. That's why there's nothing to fear. If God is with us, then we don't have to fear. If God is with us, then we don't have to feel alone. How many of you sometimes you feel alone even if you have friends? You know, and you know, how many of you have ever felt rejected by people? 
Rejected by maybe the girl that you're pursuing, busted. Or maybe rejected by the embassy, denied. Or maybe rejected by your parents or rejected by your, I don't know, there might be some rejected by a friend or rejected by an application in college. And then you feel alone. But how many of you know that God will never reject us? In fact, the Bible says, even when we're faithless, God is still faithful. He's going to be there. He's going to stick it out for us. He's one who sticks closer than a brother. God is with us. We don't have to feel, feel afraid. We don't have to feel, feel alone. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And Isaiah 43 it says, And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. What a picture. What's your situation right now? Is your situation bleak? Maybe financially, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your health. This is a description of an external force coming in. And yet God promised to them, I will be there with you. You don't have to face your problems alone. God will be there with us. That is just so encouraging for us. And the last point I want to share is redemption. Everybody say redemption. Redemption means salvation. It's to redeem us from the, from the uh, consequence of our sins. God saves us. And this is basically the name of Jesus. In uh, Matthew one twenty one. in his name will be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Salvation. We all need a savior. Amen. You know, how many of you have actually did one sin in your whole lifetime? At least one. I believe all of us, not just one, right? And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. We all deserve to die. Not one exempted. Even your pastors. We are sinners. In fact, we are probably the chief of sinners, as the Apostle Paul says. But yet, none of us deserve the grace that is being given to us. It's given. It's not deserved. It's not worked for. We all need to be saved. In fact, one of the, there's one clip that came out, uh, I think in the newspaper about a couple of days ago, four-day holiday in Manila for Pope. It says, Mayor will declare a four-day holiday in the city during the visit of Pope Francis from January 15 to 19 next year and plans to ask the pontiff to save the city government from bankruptcy. I mean, can, can you really do that? How can you ask for salvation from bankruptcy for the city government or corruption? I don't think anyone can do that. But Jesus came and promised, I can save people from their sin. The root of all human problems is one word. It's sin. Selfishness, hatred, rebellion, pride. How many of you are humble? Anybody here is proud to be humble? Okay. You know, we're, we're kind of like that. We, we, we say that we're humble. In reality, that's pride, lust, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, bitterness, unforgiveness. How many of you have this unforgiveness? It's, it's that. That's the problem of man. And we need saving from that. Jesus came to save all of us from this sin and from God's, God's wrath, God's wrath, from God's wrath because of the consequence of sin. Okay? 
Um, and this is, actually, I read this already. Matthew 1, Jesus, he will save his people from their sin. In fact, if you look at the Greek word of Jesus, it's lesuos, which means God saves. And it comes from the Hebrew word Jehoshua, which means God saves. So if you say Jesus Christ, it means anointed Savior, because Christ is anointed one. So Christ is not the surname of Jesus, by the way, okay? And Jesus is first name, because some, some people get confused. Jesus Christ, Christ, sir, anyway. Okay, Romans chapter 3, I'm preparing to close. For all have sinned, and that's all of us, and have fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified only by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we find in Acts, there is only one name that was chosen for which man can be, can, can be saved, and that is the name Jesus. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it basically qualifies us to go back to the Father. It's not because of our righteousness. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. All the other religions in the world will declare, do this, do that, be good, do less evil, be less bad today, do more good tomorrow, try to give. It's all a bunch of do's and don'ts. Christianity is the only religion that spells it like this. D-O-N-E. It's done. What Jesus Christ did on the cross is more than enough to purify us and redeem us and forgive us from all our sins. It's not about what we can do for Him. It's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He became the sacrificial lamb. The Bible says, without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness of sins but because Jesus chose to give his life for you and me how many of you know if you put your faith in the finished work of Christ we are redeemed we are blood bought we are saved from the penalty of our sins and we are all uh, possessing eternal life amen can we just give the Lord praise tonight I want to close with this as my main point Jesus became man to reach and to rescue mankind. He became one of us. There's a song that was popularized back a few years ago, What If God Was One of Us? He became one of us. He became a human being just like you and me and yet was without sin. It necessitated for a perfect sinless man to sacrifice himself to purchase us from all our sins and that is the finished work of Christ on the cross we hope you were inspired by that message for more updates visit us on our website at www.victoryalabang.org and download the Victory Alabang app for your mobile devices thank you and have a Merry Christmas